For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, and I listen to the Funbelt Podcast. This is the Funbelt Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Folks, the Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report, Jeremy Harper of Howl Razor, and Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record. I think it's potentially a very good week for the Sunbelts. But I'm just kind of going off on a random rant. It, it's, it's just frustrating. It's... it's... <laughs> Uh, three, two, one. You. Welcome back, everybody, to Fun Belt Podcast. The gang is all here, but we have we have even a little bit more gang, more gang than usual. Hold on, right. Jeremy, I'm still cheering because what? ULM. Hey, before I I introduce Brady, why don't you go ahead, Tibbs, and why don't you just throw some shit in my face? Go on, get it over with. I'm ready. <clears throat> so yeah okay there are some people that are on the twitter or the yeah. X yeah. that deserve to be blocked huh. at least for one week of the year one week jeremy you were on the cusp of being blocked <laughs> and i sir am glad though that we have a georgian in nika <laughs> miscavili that can hit a three to send it to overtime and then watch good old coach Hodge come uh-huh. after you <laughs> because you're the reason they lost. <laughs> hey, Hodge and I are good friends. We're tight. Let me tell you something though. You know what? That guy, I cannot pronounce his name. I won't even try. Mix, Milks, Milkschilveski. He's got something in for Arkansas State. He hits that corner three against us at, in the waning seconds of regulation every single damn time we play that guy. It's like we forget about him. And he just drains that three. Like like he's like Dirk Nowitzki. Just swish. And once again, it happens against us. Yeah. I, you know what? You feel proud. You feel good. You feel strong about your team, Tibbs. Congratulations. I can't say nothing but good stuff for the Warhawks. Well done. Bravo. And when That's what happens when you have a med school and not a vet school, Jeremy. Listen, what's time for plugs, promos, and parting shots? I'm going to be a big man about it and say some nice stuff about the Warhawks. All the major sports are in action this week. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Bet Online is my preferred betting platform for Jeremy Harper of Hellraiser. So head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. But before we talk more about the Warhawks, Tibbs, before you wax poetically about all the the three wins that the Warhawks have, have, have put together in the last 
week and a half. I would like to introduce our guest. Is that okay, Shane? Is that all right, Tibbs? Can we introduce our guests now? I think I'll be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, joining us to put together, put together this first half of the Sunbelt Conference season, this first nine, the front nine, I call it, Brady Weiler from, it's, it's, is it, uh, Brady, where are you from? <laughs> it's GSU Panther Talk, the 24-7 site, and then the Thursday night podcast. And ah, I got to say, Thursday, yes. I was a little disappointed when Dusty was clearing his throat when he was starting his thing. I thought he was going to go full on into like the ULM fight song. I was disappointed. It just was a little bit of just trash talk. I was, I was really <clears throat> ready for that moment. It's absolutely 0% chance he knows the Warhawk fight song. 0%. That is, that is a true story. Ah, yes. Thank God, because I thought you were going to make me look bad. Yeah, I don't know the A-State fight song. They sing it all the time. I've never bothered to learn it. Shane, I'm sure it's the same thing with you. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I know parts of it because yeah. they, they throw, like, different sections of the lyrics into, like, various things at JMU, but I, I couldn't sit here and sing it for you. It's like, on to victory, and I start mumbling. (laughs) There's the uh, Kurt Dudley, longtime announcer here. He'll post his uh, daily fight for glory, which is just a list of what what JMU's games are for the day. And so I know fight for glory is somewhere in the uh, fight song. Okay, fight for glory. I got on to victory. Tibbs, you got anything? No, I don't remember no, any no, of it. Brady, does Georgia State, does it have a fight song? And do you know the lyrics? Georgia State does have a fight song. I, I set this trap for myself that I'm not going to go into, but I, I, was in, I was in the band, so I, I know the, the fight song, yeah. You were in the band? Well, damn no. right you should know this fight song. Yeah. Should, I wish you had a tuba right now and you could just like get into it. <laughs> what did you play, man? Yeah, tuba. Tuba, got it! Wow! I, you were the tuba king. Do you still play the tuba? Do you still break it out every now and then? I have not played in years, unfortunately. It's oh, a bummer. Okay. Right. I mean, and you know, there's times with like alumni day and stuff mm-hmm. that like band come back for some football games, for basketball games sometimes. But because I've been doing, you know, on the writing side, I've kind of made that sacrifice. I haven't been doing it in a while. But uh, it it's weird to like put that hat on after not doing it for a while and doing something else where you're kind of sitting there covering a game. It is a different whole, you know, experience. Brady, is the tuba like riding a bike? Like, if you were handed a tuba now, could you like, could you just like put together some tuba noise, or would it take you a while to get back into the to the swing of it? No, it'd probably be pretty quick. Okay, all right. I think yeah. it's one of those things that if I started playing the fight song, I would be able to be like, oh yeah, that's how that's the fingering for that song. Like as I'm going through it, like it never really leaves you, especially because. You know, in college band, you play the fight song approximately 10,000 times over a four-year career. Yeah, yeah. you probably dream the fight song. <laughs> you know you know another thing, though, of why I think a lot of people don't know the fight song? Why is that? Is you learned it by playing with that random team when you were playing NCAA football on the old Sega or PlayStation. And since we haven't had that, nobody knows anybody's fight song, even their own school. Wow. Okay, that's 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 a good conspiracy theory. I like that. We should add that to our list of theories. Speaking of theories, guys. Actually, this is not this is a horrible segue. But I think it's time that we got into Sunbelt basketball because it's been like all right, the the out of conference was a little confusing, right? It was a little Jekyll and Hyde. There was some good stuff, there was some bad <laughs> stuff. Yeah, Georgia Southern goes over 12. 
the JMU Dukes, they go 12 and 0, you know, and then there's everybody in between kind of not dominating or having an occasional good game. You saw Appalachian State pull up the upset against Auburn, for instance. But for the most part, it was a lot of like games against teams like Lamar or whatever. Then we get into riveting Sunbelt action. And suddenly everything kind of comes into focus, right? The teams that we thought were going to be okay, maybe weren't so okay. We've seen teams that kind of rose to the top that we weren't quite expecting. And some teams sink to the bottom that we weren't quite expecting. It's Sunbelt entropy. Sunbelt entropy exists in basketball in a way that it doesn't exist in any other Sunbelt sport. There is complete chaos when it comes to Sunbelt basketball. Brady Weiler, I know you agree with me on this. You can never predict Sunbelt basketball. I tried to make some bets on betonline.com, the favorite betting platform of the Funbelt podcast. I put my bets. I'm losing money because I can't figure it out. Guys, Brady, what is your 100,000-foot view of this out-of-conference front nine that we've had so far? Yeah, it's funny because the Sunbelt might have the two best teams they've had in a few years, like just at the top. Okay. And it might be one of the more down years that the conference as a whole has had in the last, you know, since Georgia state's been in the conference, I've been following this league. So it's just funny how that works out sometimes that sometimes you have that moment where you have the really good team and the rest of the league kind of hits the "Mm," spot. And yeah, I feel like there's a handful of teams that are maybe underperforming relative expectations, but you look at it and, if they keep on the path they're on, either Appalachian State or James Madison could be one of the better seeded teams in the NCAA tournament if they're the team who makes it that the Sunbelt has had in a few years. And so when all said and done, you'll look back at it and be like, yeah, it's a pretty good year for Sunbelt basketball, if the, if that's how it plays. You know, if there's a bid stealer and it's one of the other teams in the Sunbelt, then it might not be the case. And it'll be maybe fitting because that's how the year has been. But we fun league, fun league for sure. Different fun than, you know, football is fun, but a, a fun league nonetheless. Yeah, I think it's an f- interesting debate whether it's better for the league to have two teams that maybe have a chance to finish top 50-ish yeah. or if last year was better where there was, what, like six teams that were right around top 100. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I think it'll be an interesting debate to see which one actually ends up being a better thing for the conference. But before we- they, Hopefully they'll eventually get to the point where They'll have multiple teams in the top 75 or so. But um, <clears throat> right now, I think it's kind of interesting to think which one will end up working out better. We do know that there's a great chance, like almost, I would say an 80% chance, that the Sun Belt tournament somehow screws that all up. Like uh, somehow Texas State pulls it all together at the end of the season and goes on a tear in the tournament, and they end up becoming the automatic qualifier for the Sun Belt, leaving perhaps James Madison, maybe Appalachian State, who knows, perhaps a Troy, probably not. But yeah, yeah, so like I said, the entropy, it's real, it's harsh, but it's entertaining, and I enjoy it. So Brady, because you're our guest, and because we lean on you so heavily, because you're probably, you know, plugged into the basketball community, as a former tuba player, (laughs) is there a team out there that surprises you either as a team that is underperforming or overperforming? I mean, I guess I didn't know that Apple App State was going to be this good. Like, I knew that they'd be decent. They haven't been bad the last couple of years under Dustin Kearns, and he's definitely got them turned in the right direction. But 
especially once we saw, you know, James Madison beat Michigan State to start the year, just keep rattling off wins. It kind of felt like it was going to be the whole conference chasing uh, JMU. And then you look up now and App State beat them both times. And they're in the driver's seat to win this conference uh, in the regular season and set themselves up well. And so that's kind of where my mind goes is kind of the they're the number one team. So obviously the team to talk about, but it maybe is a little unexpected, even if you're going to think they're going to be pretty good. Even when Appalachian State beat Auburn, Tibbs, didn't you kind of feel to yourself that, well, yeah, anybody can lose in Boone. I mean, it's just kind of a different environment in Boone. It's 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 goofy crazy. The, the atmosphere is thin. Like, uh, even when the Mountaineers came up with that victory, I was like, oh, well, I, I just don't feel like the Mountaineers are the team to beat. But here they are. Tibbs, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think that when they beat Auburn, we were all kind of like, mm, yeah, we, we all know what it's like to go to Boone and lose. But <laughs> I, I think that we've seen more and more that Kearns has this team firing on all cylinders. And, and I think they're the second best team in the league, though, but they've won the right games, especially beating James Madison twice to really put themselves atop the standings. To me, the top team still in the league, though, is Troy. And they're also the hottest team that Scott Cross has his boys ready to play, taking the stairs, getting a new T-shirt every week. I wish I owned a, a uh, screen printing place in Troy, Alabama, because I'd be a millionaire off the T-shirts he's giving away. <laughs> Tibbs, Tibbs loves Scott Cross, and for good reason. Scott Cross is a damn good coach. Shane, is there a team with the Sun Belt right now, not that you think is overperforming, but has underperformed to the level that has raised your eyebrows? I'd go with ODU. Um, I didn't expect I them to be. I didn't expect them to be like championship contenders, but I didn't think they would be this bad. And you know, I almost wonder <clears throat> they kick uh, Vashawn Oled off the team this week. Really high scoring freshman. Really high all statistical categories for a freshman was in some ways their best player. But I do kind of wonder if maybe that's going to be addition by subtraction. To some degree, we'll we'll see how they end up playing this week. They come to Harrisonburg, so I'll see them in person for the third time this year. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no um, yeah, I think they've been the most disappointing because ODU is just as a program is set up to have success. They should never be this bad. I mean, I think it's the best job in the Sun Belt as far as basketball goes, and I <clears throat> I just would have never expected them to only have one conference win at this point. Yeah, because ODU, you, you think of them as one of the sort of blue-blooded uh, mid-major teams, right? One of those. Teams I see what I you always... did there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're the Monarchs. But you kind of just expected them to do well at basketball and, and maybe dominate the East, and that just really hasn't happened. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep up with this vein. Tibbs, is there a team out there that's just really disappointed that you thought was going to be pretty good and just hasn't lived up to any kind of hype. I'm going to say this, Jeremy. I know you're going to reach the screen to smack me. No, no, of course not. First year head coach, Brian Hodgson. I don't think he's lived up to the hype that we really expected the Red Wolves to excel. Uh I think that he really hit the recruiting trail really hard when he came into the program. He's done some good things there to get the, the, the ship righted there in Jonesboro. But he just hasn't really performed this year. I think the foundation's there, and I think they'll be good in the future. But for this year, this season, 23-24, Arkansas State has been a disappointment to me. Yeah, you know what? Brian, if you talk to Brian Hodges, he will talk about injuries that are on the team. He'll talk about expectations not being met. And that's fine, but he's also a 
first time head coach. So just like the team is trying to come together, he's trying to come together as a head coach. Give him a little bit of slack for that. But I totally understand that, Tibbs. Uh, with the people he brought in, I think a lot of people thought Arkansas State at this point would at least be above 500. Uh, Brady, is there a team out there that you feel like is not uh, uh, meeting expectations? Well, I don't want to steal your answer. I know you had said this uh, when we had talked about the question, but I think we might have the same answer. So I guess okay. I'll, I'll save a little time, let you speak on it as well. But Ooh. Texas State is 7-14 right now, 1-8 uh, in conference. And yeah. you look at it, and if they don't go on a little run almost to the Sun Belt title game last year in Pensacola, I feel like the vibes are all the way down. Like they did have that little bit of what did the semifinals last year. They beat Marshall. Um, other than that, since Terrence Johnson took over, it hasn't necessarily been where it had before that point. And now I'm, I'm guessing it's getting to an inflection point where they're like, is this going to turn around in the season and just kind of knock on their way at all? So Tibbs, correct me if I'm wrong, but that first year that Terrence Johnson was aboard, he took over, they won the Sun Belt. Uh, at least the regular season, right? I think that was 20, 20, 2021, 2022 season, right? And there we talked COVID involved, and he was the interim head coach. That is correct. Yes. And we liked him. We had him on the show, and he had all this great energy, very good recruiter. Next two seasons, especially this season, there's just something not good going on in San Marcos when it comes to basketball. Arkansas State came and beat them in San Marcos, which they hadn't done in a very long time. Uh, they beat him at in Jonesboro, and they just didn't look like a team that 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 I recall playing uh, against for when it comes to Texas State. Texas State always seemed like a team that had really competent outside shooters, had a good inside presence. Didn't really have any of that, so I don't know what's going on in San Marcos. That is kind of crazy. Yeah, and so it, I agree. Stings even more because Nate Martin is on Marshall now, doing good things for them. Yes, yes. Transferring so, yeah. to another conference team, putting on a show. Player of the week this week. Oh, that was Shane with the with the with the knowledge. Nice. Yeah, I did see that come around. So, guys, all right, let's let's get into the meaty stuff then. Uh, Tips. Who's your MVP? Who's the guy? The guy I like so far yeah. in the first half of the season. I mean, he's got the 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 classic basketball name that you you got to vote for him, Kobe <laughs> Julian of Louisiana Lafayette, leading the league, 18.2 points per game. He's fun. He's exciting to watch. He has the Cajuns still kind of hanging around in the middle of the pack. I still never count out Bob Marlin, so I think the Cajuns still have a chance to make a late run, if not a March run, in Pensacola. Yeah, Cajuns have won five straight, and a lot of that has been because of Kobe. You know, he, he's kind of that outside perimeter shooter presence that gives the, their two big guys, Charles and the Hosanna, <laughs> Kintembe, Kintembe, I think his name. Those guys just work on the inside. Uh, it allows uh, Kobe to work on the outside or from short range. Just fun basketball to watch. Brady, who do you like? Well, controversial, I guess. Uh, in the basketball news for Sunbelt, for getting ejected from a game recently. But, I mean, Terrence Edwards is probably yeah. the best player in one of the best teams. And if you look at him, pretty well-rounded where he's got 17 something points a game he's got 3.2 assists and uh feels like a real guy that can kind of just take over a game for a team like james madison that's going to need guys like that down the stretch as they're looking to win this this league 
You know, uh, another guy on JMU that you might throw out there too, TJ Bickerstaff. Just uh, two, just a good one-two punch there coming out of the Dukes. You never know who's going to hurt you. Shane, wh what do you think about that uh, piece of analysis? And do you have someone outside of the Dukes that you like? I do, but I, I will say, like, you know, those two guys for, for several weeks, it looked like it was probably going to come down <clears throat> to those two guys for yeah. for the award. Uh, you know, Bickerstaff was sick for a while. His numbers weren't as great for a few weeks. Um, Terrence, Terrence, I still think, has a good shot to be the guy at the end of the year. Um, even when he has a bad game or, you know, Jamie fans complain it's a bad game maybe because he had turnovers or something. He's still putting up, like, you know, 19 and four assists or something even the games that Jamie fans complain about. So he's been really good. But for now, for me, at the halfway point, I would go with Trayvon Spillers with App State. He's not statistically the best guy really in any category, but he's really good across the board. And also, I mean, if you just look at App State, they're so much better this year. They did not add too many guys to that roster. But they did add Trayvon Spillers, and he's really good. He's their leading scorer now. He's taken a lot off of Donovan Gregory's plate. He doesn't have to be the guy as far as running the offense through him. He blocks shots. He rebounds. I just I think he's the reason App State is where they're at right now. So if we're going by the MVP definition of it, I think he's been the most valuable guy in the league. Ah, very nice. You know, okay, so – you know, when I was thinking about this, I you know the first guys that came to mind were Terrence Edwards and Bickerstaff, uh, Kobe Julian made my little short list. Georgia State's Jaden Turner made my short list. But man, I have to agree with you, uh, Shane. It's Trayvon Spillers, man. He he's leads the Mountaineers in scoring. He leads the Mountaineers in rebounding, and just behind their 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 other big defensive guy, Justin Absent. Right there with block shots, too. You know, Appalachian State, number one in the country for block shots. I think you know that very well, Shane, after that performance uh, uh, against uh, the Dukes, how many block shots they were putting up. But Trayvon has been the real deal. I think he's a this, you know, big seven foot seven junior, just a big guy to watch. I think he's my MVP, too. So, dudes, okay, we got the MVP. <laughs> is there uh, no i'm not gonna say who's who's a guy that's 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 underperforming because that's not very fair but are there any transfers out there transfer guys that stick stick out for you guys that weren't in the league this year but are or last year but are in the league this year that are really standing out tibbs is there any guy that you're looking at you're like well yeah he he wasn't there last year but he's doing really well now None that I can think of off the top of my yeah. head, mostly because I wasn't prepared for transfers. Jeremy, oh, with the obscurity. This is the first, first I don't know why I came up with that. Why, why don't we start talking about the ambidextrous bowlers as while we're at it, Jeremy? If we're, we're leaving off Bickerstaff from the last one because the other guys, he is probably the leading candidate for this All one right. because All right. uh, he's yeah. a newcomer. Spillers is a Juco transfer. I don't know if that's where we're going with this, but yeah. Those I two guys, know. I think... Those two guys, I think, will probably be the leading candidates if you're doing a straight-up transfer of the year. Um, is Isaiah Gator for South Alabama yes. is new also, right? Yeah. He's yeah. seventh in the league in scoring. Um, Lucas Taylor, Georgia State, 14.5, uh, tenth in the league in scoring, another one possibly. But I, I would probably say Vicker Staff for this one. Yeah. Okay. yeah and no. you're talking about a guy who's coming in like, 
added something to a team. He's certainly done that for the Dukes. You know, he really has. To that, yeah. Jeremy, since you're not a member of the USBWAA, like the rest of us, <laughs> who would get to vote for Bickerstaff for Woo! the Oscar Robinson Award. Hey, I'll, I'll throw another name in there. He's not the best transfer right now, but kind of going back to my definition of value when I talked about spillers, Mike Green for JMU um, started out the season really, really good. He, he was looking like an all-conference type of player for a while. He's in a massive slump right now, and JMU started losing. I mean, I think if you look at a guy like that, if we're just going to talk about an interesting transfer, if he starts playing to the level he was before, JMU has a chance to get back into this race, but they might lose a few conference games if he doesn't. Oh. So a guy that I really liked, I might be a homer for picking this, DeAndre Dominguez from Arkansas State, leads the team in scoring, leads the team in rebounds, and has really showed a lot of great leadership on that team. So if you get a chance to check out Dominguez, go ahead. He is sort of an under-the-radar, but very talented forward. And uh, I know Arkansas State's glad to have him. All right, let, let me throw out a question then that I think is a little easier to answer and probably a lot more fun to answer. I'll start with you, Shane. Shane, who is sort of an under-the-radar team to look out for in these next nine games? Not necessarily like one of the Troys or or, or JMUs or, or, or uh, Appalachian State who, who are already sort of secure. Who's underneath that? Who's under, Who's beneath the water there that could – rise to the surface i mean <clears throat> there are a couple teams that i think have potential to do more than they've done and i mentioned odu before yeah. we'll see if maybe making that move to kick a lead off the team yeah. kind of shake something loose they have some talent there they're not deep though no. i don't think they're gonna crawl back into significance necessarily but i think they might come up with a couple of those victories that really shakes things up at the top by beating somebody they weren't expected to Okay, so uh, like you'd see ODU as a team that could ruin some seasons. Yeah, and I got another one, but I won't take all of them before you guys get. To oh, all right, all right. maybe we'll come back to you, Shane. If, okay, if you aren't very good. What do you think, Tibbs? Is there a team out there that you like that you're like thinking, yeah, these guys they could show something when it's Pensacola time? I'm buying into the hype a little bit of Georgia Southern winners of three of the last four. Maybe yeah. they've righted the ship now that they're in conference play, but that non-con was uh, rough and brutal. We made so and, much uh, fun of the Eagles. And now look at it. <laughs> look, I mean, I, especially as a ULM fan, you learn to take your lumps, but that was rough to watch in that non-conference. But I, I like the Eagles. I like where they're at right now and uh, see if they can string together a nice little run here in the second half of the Sunbelt Conference slate and position themselves in the upper portion of the bracket for the conference tournament. Yeah, I could see the Warhawks being in a similar kind of state. Brady, who who do you see as a team? Maybe it's Georgia, maybe it's Georgia State, maybe it's uh maybe it's South Alabama. Who do you got? Yeah, well, I mean those were the names I was thinking. You know, Georgia State they played six of the first nine on the road and they finished now with seven of their final 10 games are at home including the Max Sunbelt game. I'm not going to pick them for this right now because, I mean, they've lost four straight and the way they lost to Coastal last Saturday blowing a 13-point lead, I just don't know where they're at. And they're about to play App State and Troy at home. So, like, what do you do when you lose four straight and need to get back? Oh, you're playing the top two teams in the conference. Like, Even though it's at home, it's not great timing for that. And the team that I'm going to pick is 
it's pretty boom busty because they have shown that they can run into oh. March on a real heater and they have shown they can lose to a 12 seed in March. But like Richie Riley is the living embodiment of the it's so over, we're so back chart. Where like this week, as an example, on their schedule, they go to Texas State, they go to Louisiana. Louisiana's in a good spot at the top of the standings. I could see them losing to Texas State and going and beating Louisiana. I could see them winning both. I could see them losing both. But he is last year you saw it. He has an ability to get kind of the group he assembles together to play some of their best ball at the end of the season. And if they do that, they're sitting out three and six in the conference, but they've also got a handful of home games the rest of the way. And so they can certainly work their way into being one of those teams, kind of like they were when they were the eighth seed that Southern Miss lost to last year that you don't want to play as a lower seed in Pensacola. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you always got to keep in mind, they're kind of the home team in Pensacola. I mean, if they if they win the first round, last year it just seemed like there are just more and more mobile people from Mobile showing up as they advanced through each round, and it was like, okay, now we believe it. We're we're coming over, and that that that's really a big deal when it comes to conference tournament time, especially if they're kind of getting it together. Yeah, and isn't that team just so puzzling? I mean, they start out the season losing to Mobile, the city of Mobile, and you're like, what the hell's happening here? Then they put out some good wins, and, and they just seem like I. They seem a little bit like their football team. <laughs> it's like you don't know which South Alabama is going to come out to play. Uh, rest in peace, Governor. <laughs> rest in peace, Governor. Good, good luck there in Alabama making the big coin. Uh, I guess my team. I, I I feel like I'm kind of cheating a little bit because they're already doing pretty well, but they've won five straight, and they started off not looking very hot. I think everybody kind of forgot about them, even though people were kind of picking them to, to some of them, people were picking them to win the conference, uh, even though they lost their big man in the off season. And, and that's the Cajuns. The Cajuns just look great to me right now. They're big in the inside. They're, they're, they can shoot from the outside. One of the best perimeter defenses in the country right now. I think they're ranked fourth for, for guarding the three. So you can't shoot your way out of uh, – if you don't want to get on the inside with their bigs, you're not going to shoot your way out, out of uh, – into a victory by, by, by dominating the perimeter. They're going to find a way to beat you. Defense Even wins. if they got to turn the lights out. <laughs> so they might do that, which usually is a Georgia Panther tact- Panthers tactic. But uh, the, the Cajuns are out there uh, adopting the ploys. But, yeah, I think the Cajuns are the team that if, if there's one team that's going to threaten the big three right now, I think it's going to be the Cajuns. Do we flip the script to the women's side there now, I, Jeremy? I think so, Tibbs. And God forgive me, I might not be as prepared. Gee, <laughs> I, I wonder why. Is it maybe because we just throw random questions out like they do? Of, <laughs> hey, who, who's the best – Guy that can jump the highest off of his right foot. Should we test that? I think we should. I think we should. Apparently. <laughs> Sorry. God. So looking at the women's side, we got to start obviously with the coach. I, I actually have two coaches of the year uh-huh. for the first half of the season. Obviously, Kim, don't call her Stevens Caldwell at Marshall, has the thundering herd out to a nine and O record in Sunbelt Conference, 15-5 and five overall. They went to Florida. They got the win. Big props to her. Now now it's a matter of the second time through the schedule, can you sustain that momentum that you have? And then my other co, call me a homer, call me what you will, Missy Bilderback at ULM. 7-2 and two in Sunbelt Conference action, 
over the past six years, this program has only won nine Sunbelt Conference games. What she's doing is absolutely unremarkable, amazing, outstanding. I'm anxious to see how the second half goes. So, Shane, you're more in tune with the women's side. Who do you kind of have leading the charge there on the coaches? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the two you mentioned. It's either <clears throat> it's either Caldwell or it's Builderback right now. I mean, it, it's going to be really tough if it goes the way it is to make a decision between those two, I think. I mean, I, I don't think Marshall's going to go undefeated, but if they win the conference, that's an incredible thing. But like you said, at ULM, to win at all is a big deal. And <clears throat> I, I don't know which one of those two I would choose if I really had to make a decision right now. Brady, I, asking you on that, is it a bigger deal that Caldwell comes in with this 9-0 record because it's Marshall and maybe there's not as high of an expectation of women's basketball? Or is it that, oh, well, she was just a D2 head coach and, and she can't coach D1 basketball and she's kind of disproven the, the doubters? Well, what say you? Well, I think like uh, I think what Shane said or Jeremy Safrigich, who mentioned that if they keep running the table, then it should be the person to run the table. And so advantage to the coach who's already got a 9-0 and record. But I, I think it's those two as well for me. Uh, the, the other one you'd mentioned that seems to always be in these conversations, Troy wins basketball coach Rigby, because they lost to Georgia State in the conference opener on a buzzer beater in overtime. And they were at that point three and eight. And you look now and they're eight and one in conference. They've won eight straight. And it's kind of like, ah, Troy is back to doing what they do every year. And just the consistency that that program turns out in women's basketball is something to be commended for sure as well. Jeremy, what say you coach of the year for the first half of the women's side? I think Brady makes a good point, but man, it, it's, it's builder staff, builder staff, builder back, builder back. Thank you. God, that's the worst. It's builder back. And I'll tell you why it's because uh, ULM almost had to start from scratch on that program and immediately just her presence at Monroe brought in some great players. I saw them in action against Arkansas State. These women can shoot. They can they can guard. They're fast. They can be big when they need to be big. It's just a good team, Tibbs. Uh, and it's all credit to the new head coach. So, yeah, I, I, I think that I don't really think there's that much of a contest, even though there are two teams with better conference records right now. I think from where it started, it's ULM. It's Builderback. You see what happens when the men beat Arkansas State after all the he, trash He's talk. curring it, back it, favor. It, it, it beats him down to where he's just in submission now. It's, it's fantastic. It, it's like but, when somebody beats Alabama, and obviously it's not Alabama's fault. So it's it wasn't really Arkansas State's fault for losing to ULM. There was – illness or the stars weren't aligned but hey little buddy good work congratulations you got your little moment in the sunshine don't pat me on the head jeremy <laughs> to return the favor though my player of the year for the women's side izzy higginbotham she's probably the best women's player that's come through this league in a while and she is absolutely lighting it up 22 points per game leading the arkansas state red wolves leading the sunbelt with that scoring She's amazing to watch. I, I, I think we were talking off air, Jeremy, and, and you said it best. She's kind of a a smaller, uh, uh, what's her name? Caitlin. Clark. Yeah, from, from Iowa there. Just as fun, just as exciting to watch. Can step back, shoot the three. Uh, is a good team leader that they rally around. 
I, I've enjoyed watching her this year, and I'm looking forward to the second half seeing her as well. Yeah, and she's really good. She's good, fun to watch. She's she she's really good with the their other point guard, Lauren Pendleton. Uh, they make a really good one-two punch. Uh, I like to see the women's team take another step. Uh, Higginbottom could be that person that does that. But I agree with you on that, Tibbs. I think Higginbottom's the the best player in the league, and there's actually some really good players that you can list on there to, to put on that list too. So that just makes Higginbottom's accomplishments that much better. It's not just the scoring because, I mean, obviously any scoring 22 points a game, whatever you're doing, it's going great. But the efficiency as well, you know, 47% shooting and then 91% from the line. Just complete efficiency all, all over the board. I'll be the devil's advocate. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm gonna go with Terrence Ward, Terrence, Taryn Ward at uh, Georgia Southern. She's really good. There are a lot of really dynamic scorers in the Sun Belt. I think there's, what, four or five? People averaging 20 or more a game. Uh, Taryn Ward's also leading rebounder in the conference. Um, <clears throat> I just think, you know, she's she's really, really good. Georgia Southern goes as she goes. That, that can be said about a lot of teams. But just to throw somebody else into the conversation, I think Taryn Ward also is, is up there with Higginbottom as far as, you know, having a chance to win the player of the year. And that's our basketball talk. So, guys, I have a fan experience for you. Okay. Mostly football-related, but it could really be any sport. All right. At your different venues, and and I think of this because of me going to an NFL playoff game a couple weeks ago and a a couple other NFL games I've been to, where they really kind of come up with like a a food theme for a particular game. Okay. Uh, the, the, The Bengals were playing, and they had real skyline chili. I didn't have any. But I saw the food cart. Uh, it was crowded. I wasn't yeah. waiting in line. Do y'all have that kind of experience at y'all's different uh, collegiate venues when it's in football season or even basketball season for a big game, even maybe even baseball season? Mm-hmm. Brady, you're a foodie. I know you are. <laughs> so so what's Georgia State doing? So I, I've heard of that being a thing that people will do for tailgating themes. For I don't believe there's anything on the Georgia State side with like theme in any of the actual like vendors in the stadium or whatever. But I guess my stock thing would say in Atlanta, you can basically whatever type of food you want. It's going to be good just all across the city. There's everything. So they're kind of already doing that without actually doing it as a theme. There's my cop out. <laughs> that is a cop out. But the, the only thing better would have been, yeah, we have Chick Fil A in the stadium, <laughs> which we do. You know, Arkansas State. That, that has been one of my big complaint at the football games, primarily, is that the food is not. There's not a a signature dish, which to me is you're missing. You're missing a boat there when you don't have something in the in the in the in the concessions that you can only get. At an Arkansas State game, I, I hope that someday they realize that. But at basketball games, <laughs> we do have something that it's nothing special, but people are nuts for them. Convo dogs, named after what the 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 stadium used to be called, the Convocation Center. It's now the First National Bank Stadium, but or First National Bank Arena. People will get will go nuts for these convo dogs. Buy about five or six, bring them home after the game. They love them. They're just steamed hot dogs. It, is no, folks you are you are you talking about yourself? Is this something you do? No. Ask Kara Ritchie. Pull her aside and wait, ask wait, her how much she loves convo dogs. No. 
Kara Ritchie's dog loves convo <laughs> dogs. No, 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 no. She loves convo dogs too. Uh, she, she, she put passes them off on the dog. Yes, but she herself loves them too. Yeah. And they give me gas. So, but, but I eat them anyway. I love them. I'm in the same boat as Jeremy. JMU doesn't really have any kind of signature thing. It's just very standard concession stuff. It, it would be cool if they came up with something. Um, missed opportunity. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, <clears throat> down the road in Blacksburg, Virginia Tech has like the turkey legs and stuff like that. It's kind of the signature thing. I don't know what you would come up with for JMU. Mm, um, as Brady said, though, just I like it, it happens 1700s like a, food. Yeah, Very, happens, like Revolutionary War style food. Yeah, yeah, maybe something like that. Or just scurvy or something. I, I've heard of it more, not necessarily JMU, but like Brady was saying, as a tailgate type of thing. I remember early in the football season, some of the people from Marshall that I follow were talking about, oh yeah, burn ins this week. And I was like, I asked uh, Luke Creasy from the paper over there, I was like, Hey, where do you get burn ins in Huntington? I'm coming. I'm coming in October. Where Where do I go to get burn ins? And they're like, No, no, that's just what the tailgate is this week. Oh, and I was like, Oh, okay. So um, they they seem to know how to tailgate in Huntington. As long as it's not a disturbing thing, like I remember in the press box, I want to say it was 2009, 2010, playing at War Memorial Stadium against Arkansas, and they had a pig roast for the press press box media. <laughs> Yeah, that's nice. How swell. <laughs> no, that was disturbing. <laughs> was that the year that you all... had a pig roast on the field and no, won the game? Th okay. No, this was one of the uh, quote unquote home games for ULM to stay D1 independent. Oh, that's great. So was it like the whole pig? Because I've seen this at tailgates too with the, yes. with, the, with the fruit in the mouth and the dead eyes staring at you helplessly. Yeah, yeah. And, that's and the buffet guy with the hat and the gloves. Sir, can I carve you some pig? Sure. Yeah, I don't want that. But you would think at ULM or Louisiana, you can go get like some sort of like gator that way, like like a fried alligator or something, and have that served at I the do gate. Know at Cajun Field, they had jambalaya, and it, it was yeah, it was pretty cool. legit jambalaya. Okay. Yeah. I was the thing working against this league for that, as much as there's a bunch of avid tailgaters and just that fan culture, is a big proportion of the mascots are either humans or something you can't eat or can't track. Like you're not gonna go find a panther to cook up for a tailgate, or um, you're not gonna eat eagle, and you're hopefully not gonna track down a mountaineer or anything. We don't have edible mascots. That is the problem. <laughs> Listen, we're gonna call up the uh, commissioner and we're going to we're going to try to remedy that that'll be the edict everybody has to change their maps mascot into like something savory something something that the opposing team can roast that would be great this this will limit us in uh realignment talks too <laughs> that's right but it still goes back to the classic question though what would Big Red taste like? We know that he would smell like fireball or cinnamon. What would he taste like? Is he cotton candy-ish? Uh, uh, probably not the actual outfit, Jeremy. I think he would taste like cotton candy, but the cotton candy that you find at the bottom of the carnival trash can—that's like oh, soaked old beer and Dr. Yes. Pepper—and it's kind of gotten all congealed and gross. 
That's probably uh, what, what big red I tastes thought, like. I thought you meant the, the cotton candy at the bottom of the bag. That's kind of that hard, crusty, no, no. crunchy. No, that's good stuff. No, I'm <laughs> just talking about the gross, almost toxic level shit at the bottom of a carnival trash can that you have to wear a half-back suit, half suit to, 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 to cart away. Why are you uh, going through the bottom of the carnival trash can? I, I had about two or three years where things weren't going very well for me financially, and I was suffering from a lot of psychotic episodes. And I don't like to talk about it, Shane. Okay. And I don't appreciate you belittling me. <laughs> I'm sorry I, I asked. I was generally... Genuinely I, curious. I, I took the twelve steps. I found Jesus, and I you you have to respect that. No, I do. I do. I just I just had this idea. That's what it would. <laughs> no personal experience, Shane. Just a vivid imagination. I don't even know how to respond to that, Jeremy. I don't even know if I could, <laughs> could transition that to plugs, promos, parting shots, a uh, line ad. I don't know what I could do with that. You can do it. You can do it. On that note, okay. so Brady, we close out every show with our plugs, promos, parting shots. You can plug what you're doing. You can uh, give a promo for anything you have going on, uh, any merch that you're selling that I know that we have you marching around on a tuba on a t-shirt. Write that down, Jeremy, as our, our next uh, t-shirt. Got it. Or, or a uh, parting shot where you can find news of the weird or make fun of any of us or anything else that you've noticed. Go ahead, Brady. Oh, I'm up first. Oh, uh, well, anyway, is it fair to make Brady go first? I mean, he's clearly not ready for this. Should we make Shane go first? The easy or way at all is just to plug your podcast, too. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a Thursday night podcast. Um, Ooh, okay, not fun reading, but a piece I wrote this past uh Sunday after Georgia State's loss 0 and 4 road trip is what needs to change after Georgia State's road trip from hell. Uh, that's mm -hmm. over on Panther Talk. GSU Panther Talk is the Twitter handle. It's georgestate.247sports.com is where it gets posted. Um, yeah, I felt like, because I don't know, I'm not going to be on every week, so immediately going to be aggressive and take a parting shot and then just dipping. Just didn't feel like the move, so I'm going to go with the plug. <laughs> Very good. And diplomatic of you. Dip, dive, dodge, and duck. Jeremy, what do you have? Uh, you know, I, even though you cowardly did accept my bet, Tibbs, I said that if Arkansas State lost to ULM, that on promos, plugs, and parting shots, I would be gracious and nice towards ULM and the Warhawks. I am. I, you know what? I, I feel like there's kind of a turnaround happening with the Warhawks. We all know that the Warhawks struggle with their identity. They struggle with a fan base. They struggle with money. But they plug along every year. And every now and then they start like a, like a diamond hardened in the in the in the in the earth's core it seeps to the surface and something good happens and right now we've got great ulm women's basketball that's a legit good basketball team the men's team on a three-game win streak which must make the warhawk faithful happy you got a new head coach out there in monroe for football already doing some interesting things in recruiting perhaps you know, in the in, in the Sun Belt West, where everything anything and everything can happen, maybe something good there. I, I even have harbor hopes, Tibbs, that the Warhawks can actually pull off a win. I don't I don't harbor hopes. That's not the right word. I don't want to get. I harbor fears 
that the Warhawks could get a win over the Red Wolves in volleyball next uh, this season. So hats off to ULM, the the, the program that uh, that has had its struggles, but never asks for sympathy, never begs for mercy, asks for no quarter, doesn't give a quarter because it gives no dams. Congratulations to the ULM Warhawks. They're my second favorite Sun Belt team. Who's your first? Uh, Arkansas State Red Wolves. I have to say that I'm contractually bound, binded to them. Shane, what can we get from you to uh, <clears throat> follow that uh, masterful piece that I will be submitting to ULM Office of Communications for the next uh, <laughs> Sun Belt commercial? Maybe submit it to the FBI. Yes, it's, it was a little bit of a parting shot. Okay. I'm going to apologize to a fan base down in the Carolinas Ooh. that, you know, I, I made the mistake of suggesting that beating a team twice in a row that all the metrics and analytics and everything suggest is probably the better team, but you, they beat them twice in a row. I suggested maybe it was just a bad matchup for that team. <laughs> and so I'm going to apologize to the South Carolina Gamecocks for suggesting that there's <laughs> Anything not legitimate about their victories against Kentucky? Okay. Um, hmm. No, I. You know, <clears throat> I won't suggest that any any teams just don't match up well against each other. And again, I apologize for that. Shane, have you made bitter enemies out of Appalachian State again? What? <laughs> <laughs> I was I just wanted to bring a little SEC basketball into this conversation. <laughs> Yeah, because we just we talk SEC basketball all the time. Yeah. I am reading, I am breaking your code, and I'm seeing a desperate plea from a desperate man trying not to anger the good folks of Boone again. You keep doing it, Shane. I I'm not even sure what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I know we have Pensacola coming up for the Sunbelt Conference uh, basketball tournament. Oh. I'm already ready for July, though. I'm I'm ready to go to New Orleans. Okay. All right. Smell the bodily <clears throat> fluids and weed in the air of the Big mm. Easy as we move to a new hotel, a new venue, and we get to meet four new head coaches around mm. the Sunbelt Conference, and we finally get to talk to the mystery man of Major Applewhite. <laughs> I don't know what that is of a plug promo or parting shot, but that's what I'm looking forward to. That's what I'm ready for, and... God willing, Shane Metlin will actually be with or with us. <laughs> Hopefully, he'll be with us. Yeah. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel, and I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, "Didn't see that coming." and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.